Welcome to the My Money, My Lifestyle podcast with me, Maya Fisher-French. And with me, Mapalomaku. Each week, we'll be discussing the stories we're working on and which you can read more about in the City Press. And remember to join our conversation by sending a WhatsApp voice note to 064-554-3959. So Mapalo, this week, I thought we should just start talking about the, the big topic of the week, which has been all over social media. And that is this furore over F&B home loans. Are they racist? <laughs> and, you know, what's funny to me is that it started off all about this. It was a special assignment uh, program on SABC. And it was really about the Sambo book that they bought back in 2002. And they had to, Sambo had apparently done some interest rate calculations that weren't very favorable and F&B had to step in and recalculate. But somewhere in between all of this and racial element has developed, and it's gone further than that with I think people on social media saying you know what you know am I being charged more because I'm black what is actually happening and I think you had an opportunity to chat to to FMB and to kind of unpack this issue a little bit 100% Maya I spoke to Lean Klongo from FNB yesterday and he vehemently uh, disagrees that it is a, um, a race issue and, and funny enough, you know, it is out today in the media that um, the Sawab, what is it, Sawabo um, issue was resolved um, from the time that it arised, right? And people were paid back mm. uh, some of the money that had been um, wrongly calculated. So for it to come out as a race issue, I don't know where that came from, right? But um, further than that, I, I spoke to Lee about, you know, what goes into calculating the interest rate, you know, what, how, did, how do banks charge um, the right interest rate? And it goes back to having a good credit score and having a deposit. So it's a combination of both a credit score and having a deposit. Uh, that puts you um, at a better chance to get a good interest rate from a bank. So getting, so talking about race, I don't know where it came from. I suppose, I think, you know, if I look at it, so generally speaking, if you look at the lower end of the market, so if you, you're in the market at sort of the 400, 500, three, but say 300 to 500,000 and that affordable housing gap, generally speaking, the banks actually issue interests, uh, bonds at about 108% because they know people at that level often don't have a deposit and they don't have mm. the, the money sometimes to pay for those upfront or the, the moving costs and, and bond registration costs. And, but then you're trying to compare that with somebody but maybe buying in the million, two million segment, who's putting down a 10% deposit and maybe only getting a 90 or 80% bond. And they're automatically going to have a lower interest rate because as you said, a deposit matters. Because if the, if the, if the um, bank has to sell that house to make good on it, they'd rather, there's a lower risk if, if there's a really 20% uh, equity in the property than if the person owes 108. And I suspect if you boil it down, you'll probably start finding that those are some of the factors that, that come into play. So, you know, people buying in the suburbs are getting different rates to people perhaps mm. buying in affordable um, housing areas. And it's not because of discrimination necessarily, but actually the level of the bond that's being taken out and possibly credit record as well. So Maya, in my experience, um, when we are buying a house, I actively went to all the different banks and started looking for the best interest rate. And I find that they were very competitive. Not one was way up higher than the other one. And we came out with the best interest rate. So um, in this case where 
you have a higher rate and I have a lower rate, it definitely is not a race issue. And just I want to ask you, did you have a deposit as well that you put yes, down? Yes, yeah. You see, yes. I mean, those things, you've got, a, you've got a good rate, I must tell you. <laughs> Hold on to that one. I remember, Maya, we moved back home to save up for a deposit for over a year and a half. So it really put us in good stead. Exactly. You planned. And I mean, that's key. Planned. You waited a year and a half. You got your credit scores right. You built up deposit and you got the rate you deserved. Yeah. And I thought, so I think it is really just important for us to understand these issues before getting so heated about them. Emotional. Um, emotional about them. My goodness, did we yeah. see some stuff on Twitter? <laughs> that's not repeatable. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought I'd just point out that I did um, WhatsApp Mapalona. I asked her, what is your rate? Okay, I just yes, may not yes. gather this, but Mapalona, I have two diff- different racial backgrounds. Um, <laughs> Mapalona's rate <laughs> is better than mine. So there you are. Um, I don't think that this is necessarily a race issue, but has a lot more to do with, with affordability segments um, and just generally income levels. So Maya, you have a reader who asked you um, whether they should buy a, a car or a property. And I really get excited about this stuff. Um, I normally see very young professionals coming to me and say, you know what, Mapala, I don't want to make a wrong decision. Um, what should I be doing with my money? Buying a house, investments, you know, this sort of things. So Maya, she asked you whether she should purchase a car or a house. What was your advice to her? So I found out that she's still living at home. She's, she's able to use her parents' car. So a car is not a necessity for her at this stage. And um, one of the questions she said was, you know, I don't want to take on any bad debt. Should I buy this? I've seen an apartment for 600000 Should I save up and try and buy it with cash? And I thought, wow, that's going to take her a very long time. And, um, you know, it's kind of understanding that buying an apartment is good debt. There's nothing wrong with buying property. Um, And of course, the key is which we just spoke about is having that deposit. So for for her right now, it's about getting ready for it, you know, putting down a deposit, you know, getting the credit score in place, um, doing her homework and and taking the time because she doesn't have to rush out right now. She has 13,000 Rand disposable income because she's living at home. This is the Mm. perfect time for her to now start putting money down towards a deposit, just like you did when you bought your house. And then when when it came to the car as well, she's a very sensible young woman and said, I only want to look at a a secondhand car, but you know, maybe I should buy a car now. And and the same thing kind of applies. Why rush into, so yes, you're probably going to have to take out a loan, a home loan for your property because 600,000 takes a long time to borrow. It's good debt. It's an appreciating asset, but why go into debt for a car if you feel you can actually save up for it? So I said to her really at the end of the day, she should maybe over and look at this for two years. She's only 23. Make this a 25, 26 year old plan, you know, in, two, three years time, be in a position, if she starts saving now, she will be in a position, this is incredible, to buy a car with cash, a second-hand car, but, you know, probably around 200,000 rand car or 150,000 rand car, a nice car, and she'll have enough cash to put down a decent deposit on that apartment that she's eyeing out or that, that, that sort of price range she wants to look at. And that's exactly what it comes down to. As a whole discussion earlier, it's about taking time to plan. And what I see far too often, and I'm sure you see it as well, is young people trying in the now. I want the car now. Yes. I want the property yes. now. I want the house now. I want the house now. I'm falling behind. And, and then they start to make mistakes. And the other thing that I've also, she said to me is, do I qualify for a home loan now? 
And that was a good question because although her salary qualifies her, she's only just started to work. And I think a bank would look, you know, would want to see some kind of, of work experience. They'd want to see that, that, that income coming in for a while. They'd want to see some stability. Um, and obviously also credit record building up. That credit doesn't, record, absolutely. Yeah, doesn't mean that she has to go out and borrow money left, right and center, but she can start a banking behavior, having debit orders, having insurance policies, all of those things. So I said to her, really, that is another reason why she should really delay this for another year or two um, and, and really get her ducks in a row. But what I wanted to also comment on, and this is a question I actually got on Twitter during this whole F&B campaign. Yes, I actually love this question because I've asked myself the same question and, you know, I've sort of answered it, but yeah, please answer, yeah, answer this, the question for us. You know, why, why pay a five, why do you get to pay a 500,000 Rand car off over 72 months, but a, a, a 500,000 Rand home loan over 20 years? You don't. You can pay yes. off a 500,000 Rand car in two years if you want. Um, but your 500,000 Rand, if you are borrowing for 500,000 Rand for a home loan, your time period, you can go as low as five years. You could go, I checked with ABSA, they will give you a home loan for five years. 20 is default. You don't have to go and always pay it off over 20 years. Yes. You may yes. want to give yourself a little bit of room and say, well, I'm only going to take a 10-year um, home loan and accelerate the payments that you can do as well because you don't want to maybe be too, uh, you know, too tight on the uh, time repayments. But also the other thing is, is of course, a car depreciates. After 72 months, that car is worth substantially less, less. (laughs) much less than a car, than a house is worth after 20 years. Um, So a bank is far more likely to, to lend on a house over a longer period of time. So people must understand these, these, these issues and not get kind of caught up in them. And I do, I have to just comment that at the end, I said, and by the way, if you're buying a property for 500,000 and a car for 500,000, you've got your priorities mixed up. (laughs) Or... Some people buy a, a car for way more than uh, the property that they live in, which com- is completely ludicrous. It's but really, anyway. if you're listening, <laughs> that is not how you build wealth. Okay. That is not yes. a wealth building strategy. <laughs> Maya, let's get to credit cards, right? Um, Credit cards always make me jittery. (laughs) I just don't trust myself enough. And so this is for me, this for me is really interesting that um, do you really have 55 days um, interest free on your credit card? Do most people really get that interest free period? You know, this is a question I get quite often and, I, and I, I've always known the answer, but the answer is so shocking that I went to double check it again. So I did go and check these figures again. And please, this is true. <laughs> Basically, if you do not pay your credit card off in full on payment day, you know, at the end of the month when, when you have to make your payment, you get no interest free period. So they go and backdate all the way to the time that you made that purchase. They will go and charge you interest. The only time you get any interest-free period is when you pay your credit card in full at the end on, on, on payment day. And yes. the 55 days, how that actually works, it's because of the billing cycle. So say, for example, if you your billing cycle is from the 1st of March to the 31st of March, the, the, your credit card cuts off, but you only have to pay it on the 24th of April. 
So that's yes. how it works. So imagine if you made the purchase on the 1st of March, you're effectively only paying for it on the 24th of April. And that's your 55 days. But mm-hmm. if you bought it on the 31st of March, the day it cut off, Ooh, then obviously it's only four days. Four days. So if you're managing your credit card and you're really smart and you want to make a big purchase and kind of get that 55 days interest free, you want to do it on the first day of your billing cycle. And then you've got that 50, uh, the 50 full 55 but, days. But if you leave it and only uh, right at the end of your billing cycle, then it's much shorter. But I think for most people, um, and I know from speaking to F&B before, actually, that about 85% of people do not pay their credit cards in full every month. That means for 85% of people, no, there is actually no, let alone 55 no. days interest free, no. there's no interest free. And, and I go back to your, your point about managing a credit card. And, and I think that credit cards can be very useful. I use it because it's low cost. But, you know, people get into a lot of trouble. You must have seen this a lot in your, in your practice. 100% Maya. I mean, I have people who think a credit card is for an emergency. That's their <laughs> emergency fund. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's <laughs> an emergency fund. And they never pay it back on, uh, on the day that they're supposed to pay it back. And they incur all this interest and it's a vicious cycle. Mm. So that's why I always say, you know what, and unless if you're very disciplined, um, a credit card is not for the faint-hearted. <laughs> not for the faint-hearted. Or not for those who want to remain debt-free. And, you know, yes. the, the other one of the options that, or what I do is actually set up a debit order so that at the end of every month, my, yes. my credit card yes. is paid in full automatically. Yes. So you don't have I've, to remember going back and forth. Exactly. I've made yes. that mistake a few times where I forget. It happens, you know. Yes. And then you get hit with interest plus penalties, plus, plus, plus. Yes. So if you're going to have a credit card, if you can't afford to pay it off in full at at the end of the month, or even better, pay the money in upfront. So we also do that. I run, I have my household and my personal, a household one. We always sort of put money into the, into the account. Um, so we always know there's money in there that we, it's our money, um, which now that I know about this 55 day interest fee, really not benefiting anyway, trying to use it, <laughs> especially not in the last few months, few days of the month. Um, and that's, so that's really it. And I always say, if you can't afford to pay off your credit card in full at the end of the month, you can't afford your credit card. Yes. Maya, you just mentioned something very, very important there. Um, is this a myth? If you put money into your credit card and it's in the positive, do you earn the same amount of interest that they would have charged you? Oh, no, never. Oh, can you imagine? Never. They're charging you 20%. <laughs> You're not going to get 20%. Right. Right. <laughs> but if you put the money in and you're not paying interest, obviously you're saving that. They only give you about 2 or 3%. It's, very, it's not yeah. a great savings tool. Yeah. Uh, rather put it in a in this – what time bank? Everyone's moving to time bank for 10%. I'm moving to time bank. <laughs> <laughs> put your money in time bank, not in your credit card. Well, I mean, obviously in your credit card, if, you, if you're pre-funding your purchases, which is actually also quite sensible to do because you don't want to land yeah. up at the end of the month having to pay for the whole of last month and not having the money or, you know, you always sort of feel like one step, step behind. So that's a wrap for today. Um, if our listeners would like to learn more about these or any money related topics, they can go to the city press website or to your website, womanandfinance.co.za or my website, mayaonmoney.co.za And if you have any questions or comments, you can send us a WhatsApp voice note to 064-554-3959 and we look forward to hearing from you. Because we want to know what it is that you want to know. You've been listening to the My Money, My Lifestyle podcast featuring the contributors of the City Press personal finance pages. 